as a salutary lesson in obedience for, for us in the Old Testament. It occurs when Elisha is dying and it's in 2 Kings thirteen fourteen to 20. Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried. The chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow into your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he'd taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, said Elisha, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. And Elisha said, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times, then you would have defeated Aram completely and destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Elisha was angry with Joash because he only half did what the prophet told him to do. He couldn't see any purpose in striking the ground, so he half-heartedly struck only three times, little realising the consequences of his disobedience. He never did defeat the enemy totally. He lost the war, which caused the nation of Israel endless problems long after he'd gone from the scene. Partial obedience is disobedience, beloved. Have you, only, have you ever only half done what God said because you couldn't see why you should do it? You rationalised what he said, it didn't make sense, so you either did it half-heartedly or not at all. I can feel the silence. The point I'm making here is that God does his part, but we have our part to play. We could look at a number of other instances, but the one that springs to mind is dear old Peter in Acts 12, 6-10. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood at the entrance. In the natural here, Peter is strapped. There's just no way out. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel told him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the, the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. We can and do often focus on the miraculous release of Peter, which is wonderful, but what I want to draw out of this is that Peter had things to do that enabled him to walk free. The first was he had to wake up. And then he had to get up. Third thing, get dressed quickly. And lastly, he had to follow. The point I'm making here is that God does the miraculous, but we have our part to play. Peter did what he could when he was told to do it, and fast. If he had not got up, got dressed and followed when instructed, if his thinking had got in the way, 
There are gates and sentries everywhere. I can't do that. He would have never walked free. Question. What is it that you aren't walking free from because you cannot see why you should do a certain thing? Just a question. But remember, Joash, you should have, then you would have. Now, we don't want that, do we? 